Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Edu Third Space podcast, where we address the important questions what is education? Where does it occur? And who gets to decide? Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Edu Third Space. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Amara Stooling. Amara has her PhD in Literacy, Culture, and Language Education, and she is the Assistant Director of Global Gateway for Teachers at Indiana University. Amara and I know each other because we both used to be associate instructors for Global Gateway. She worked with the pre-service teachers who were going to complete their student teaching overseas, and I worked with the pre-service teachers who were going to the Navajo Nation to complete their student teaching. But today, she is joining us to talk about her own personal experience with education. Amara was homeschooled until she reached about the age where she would enter middle school in the United States. She's going to speak with us about her experience being home educated as a young child and how her ideas about formal education have morphed over time, especially in contrast to how her husband feels about um, education and formal schooling. She'll also talk about why she ultimately didn't become a public school teacher, which was her initial goal entering graduate school. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Amara, and this conversation will be the beginning of a few episodes related to home education. So actually this week I'm going to release two episodes. There's this episode, which is of the length that I typically do for an episode, about 45 minutes to an hour. And then I'll release a shorter episode later in the week in which I am speaking to a mother who plans to homeschool her young children. Next week, I'll speak with someone who kind of assists in home education with children who are exhibiting developmental delay from birth to very early on in their childhood. And that's kind of how I'm going to try to organize episodes whenever it is possible, where I will kind of release back-to-back episodes that are on a related theme. Now, I might not always be able to do this, but... For the episodes that are coming up, that will be my goal. So when we switch over to a new topic, I will give you a little overview like I'm doing now of the episodes to come. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Amara. And as always, please subscribe to this podcast either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play and leave a review wherever you get this podcast so others can find us and visit the website edu3rdspace.com to donate to keep these conversations going. Hello, Amara. Hi, Sam. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good, good. Well, thanks for joining us, first of all. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your homework schedule. Um, So we'll just start by you kind of giving us a history of your experience with education, and that could be both personally and professionally. Well, I started out, I guess, in school, um, being homeschooled with my family. I had a younger sister and my parents used the idea of unschooling. And so we weren't even really doing anything formalized with the homeschooling. Um, For a lot of that time, my mom uh, worked in a 
garden where she did um, CSAs for lots of different families in the community. And so we basically, my sister and I spent our days just hanging out in the garden with her and the other people that worked there. And so that was kind of what we did all day. We had no class time or anything like that. And everything, I guess, activities that you would think of as kind of school-based, we had to ask for. And so I can remember, you know, saying, I want you to give me some math problems today. Or, you know, I would write stories about whatever I wanted and we would read them. Or, I mean, we read lots of books. We went to the library. I remember doing, I guess, getting books on different countries and cultures. Um, and so I was thinking about that the other day, thinking, oh, I was actually interested in learning about other cultures, you know, during like elementary age years. And so that was kind of what we did up until we moved to the Netherlands. When we moved to the Netherlands as a family, we did end up going to school, my sister and I. Um, so I was I think I was 10 then, and so I had had kind of early years um, homeschooling, and then we, my parents threw us into the local Dutch school, neighborhood school, um, so that was all in Dutch. So going to that school was my first experience in an elementary classroom. Both my sister and I were pretty good at adapting and just kind of, we were kids, we figured out how to speak Dutch. And I don't know, I mean, we, we had, you know, maybe a special Dutch teacher like once a week, but other than that, we just did what the other kids were doing. And I think, I mean, neither of us were um, that old. And so for me, we were doing, you know, more advanced stuff. My sister was really little still. She was like six. And so she just kind of did fine there too. And so we were in the Netherlands for two years. And then I moved back to um, Pennsylvania. And at that point, I entered the public school district um, where we lived. And so that was middle school for me. So I started sixth grade. And then sixth grade through high school was just kind of what you would say is traditional um, schooling. I did take my junior year in high school off to be an exchange student in Venezuela uh, and then also Paraguay. So I missed junior year of high school. And then from there, I went to a small liberal arts college to study Spanish and psychology. And then most recently, I finished my PhD in uh, literacy language and culture education here at IU. And tell us a little bit about what you do now. Now I am the assistant director for the Global Gateway for Teachers program. And so we, in that, we have the big overseas program where students can do part of their student teaching overseas. I like to tell people who aren't familiar with the program, it's basically the education study abroad office in a lot of ways, um, but we focus very heavily on the immersion aspect of being overseas, and so the students aren't taking classes like a traditional study abroad. Then we also offer the uh, Navajo Nation program where student teachers can go student teach in Arizona, Utah, or New Mexico with Navajo communities, and then also the urban program for students who want to experience student teaching in Chicago public schools. Kind of the three broad questions that this podcast aims to address is what is education, where does it occur, and who gets to decide? So can you just give us your definition, like how you would define education? I guess I was thinking about education as 
really helping students have experiences that will give them skills for being successful and productive members of whatever society they're part of. And so, I mean, obviously this is going to include more of the concrete skills that you would learn, like math and reading and writing and all of that, but also I think more of the abstract skills that students learn in whatever setting they're in, you know, like learning to respect and communicate with all kinds of different people and communities all over the world. And it definitely doesn't end when school ends for students or adults. I mean, you can, there's, there are so many ways to continue learning now with technology and obviously also books and things like that. And I think it also can be formal, but then also very informal with, you know, teachers or people who you might not think of as, I guess, formal teachers. Mm -hmm. So you and I talked about this a little bit uh, prior to the podcast, but you mentioned that your idea of formal schooling has changed over time. Um, So how has your vision of formal education changed over time? When I was homeschooled, I was the kid that begged my parents to let me go to school um, as a kid. So I was so jealous of my friends who got to school, you know, in elementary school. And so, and, you know, I was the one that was asking them to give me worksheets and math problems and stuff like that. But then, and then when I was in the Netherlands, I, you know, I was the good student, super excited about being in school, really worked hard with my language and to catch up in, you know, my class there. Um, And then, you know, even in middle school and high school, I was the A student, definitely on board with all of the school, kind of couldn't imagine, you know, not getting a B or something like that, right? And I was really good at school and I liked it. And, you know, most of my friends liked it. That was just the group I was in. And then same thing with, you know, college was fine. Um, Again, I was a good student and enjoyed the classes I was in. And so I guess my idea of school was like, that was what school was. It was very formal. And that was how you got an education. And then when I was a grad student, I met my now husband who had a very different idea of what education is. He had a very different experience in school than I did. Um, He just learns very differently than I do. So he, you know, talks about how he hated school and he was always getting trouble as, you know, an elementary school kid and also even in high school and he got terrible grades. But he's one of the smartest people I know and he was getting in trouble and not doing well because he was bored, right? Mm -hmm. not the way that he wanted to do school. And so I think, you know, talking to him really shifted my ideas about how kids can learn and maybe should have the opportunity to learn just because the way that school was set up worked really well for me and it definitely did not work well for him. He, you know, because he is very intelligent and yeah, he got terrible grades in school, but, you know, he graduated, he went then to community college and got a degree that works well with what he does now. And, you know, he has almost 20 years of experience in the IT field where his degree helps, he has what he needs for his um, career and he's been very successful there. Um, So I think that was one 
time that kind of shifted my ideas about education. And then I would say the other kind of event that really changed the way that I thought about school was I, early in my graduate career, I was in the graduate program to become an elementary school teacher um, before I switched to the PhD program. And so, you know, I, I love kids and I thought that I wanted to be a teacher, um, just a classroom teacher, but I had never really been to elementary school. <laughs> so I, my only experience was in the Netherlands, which was, I would say, a little bit different than what, well, I saw in schools here. Part of the time in that program I spent in a, a pretty traditional third grade classroom, and then another school was a more of a problem-based learning mm-hmm. classroom. And I think just realizing how much time kids were spending inside at desk, I think how much paperwork and things the teachers had to do after that year, I decided that that may not be how I wanted to contribute to education by actually being a classroom teacher, um, just because it didn't align with how I had learned, even though I really, really thought I wanted to be in school in elementary school. Um, And I probably would have loved it and been happy, but just noticing that some of the kids were getting pretty antsy and might have been better able to learn other ways. Okay, that's interesting. So thinking about experiencing school in the elementary level in the U.S. at a later point in time, so now you work in a school of education. What advice would you give if you could redesign you know, what's going on in the School of Education, not in any like major way, but kind of what were the things about your childhood that you really loved about learning that maybe you're not seeing in a School of Education? Not even in a School of Education, but in an elementary school that a School of Education could help kind of shift that conversation. Well, I think, so our students who are training to be teachers, so they're, you know, just a few years away from being, uh, having their own classroom, they tell us, you know, all kinds of really amazing things they're learning in their classes, um, in their teacher education prep program. And they do tell us regularly that, you know, the things that they're learning in their classes, they may not actually be seeing in some of the classrooms. And so, you know, it depends on who their supervising teachers are. Sometimes the student teacher and the supervising teacher have the same ideas about what should um, be going on and sometimes very different ideas. But I think one of the things I would like to see, and I guess I do see, is that the student teachers have the opportunity to see how other educational systems work mm-hmm. and how kids all over the world learn, and just make sure the student teachers are seeing a diverse group of kids and even teachers. And so that means getting them out of just their local communities, which is what the global gateway for teachers. And so, you know, students who have never um, left their maybe that well, they went to school in their, you know, hometown, maybe a town in Indiana, and then they came to IU. And so they're seeing schools in Bloomington, which may be pretty similar to where they went to school. I think it's really important for those students to go to Chicago or to the Navajo Nation or to another country to see just what schools look like there. An example of of that is a lot of times student teachers who return from teaching overseas um, come back and tell us about their experiences and things. And we had a 
student teacher who had gone to New Zealand. I, he taught, I think, second grade there. He came back and he was telling us just the difference in how teachers view independence in kids in New Zealand. And, you know, he was saying, I would have my second graders all over the school campus and we just wouldn't be worried about them and so you know i worked with small groups so these little kids would know when it was their time to come back to the classroom to make sure that they were um you know on time and and there for their small group lesson but during the other time they might have been outside in what he called the mud pit where i guess they had electronics that were taken apart and the kids could like put them back together or something. And he said, it was really cool to see. My husband also thought that was the best idea ever. He was like, if I had been able to do that in school, I would you know, been a totally different student. So I think that kind of like experiential learning is a little bit different than what a student here who's trained to be a teacher might see in a traditional classroom. Yeah, so do you think that schools of education, so their primary purpose is to train teachers that will end in licensing so they can be able to work in schools. Do you think that schools of education should diversify in any way? And if so, how? I think it would be great if they could. You know, I know that there are a lot of requirements and things that the schools of education are working to um, make sure that our things that are um, taught to the students and then just make sure that students have the content knowledge to have the classes they need and then also pass the licensure exams and things that they'll need for teaching. But I do think it's really important to think about what kinds of school experiences the students are seeing and making sure that they're seeing schools and classrooms that may have been different from what they grew up in, especially here, a lot of people say, well, I'm, you know, just teaching the way that I kind of experienced school, right? And so that doesn't even have to be going across the world or country to a different community. I mean, even just in Bloomington, we have lots of different types of schools and we have the public schools, we have private schools, we have charter schools, we have schools with you know, lots of kids in a classroom and some of the schools are able to have fewer kids. So just problem-based learning in a, one of the schools and things. So I think that is really important. And then also, I mean, it would be really great to have more diversity in the teachers who are teaching these future teachers too, but that is going to take a lot of time because we would need these um, education students to also become more diverse in order to be the teachers who can teach more future students. And I guess I'm thinking in terms of like, so it's called a school of education, but as we discussed at the beginning, like education is kind of broader or it's not kind of, it is broader than just formal schooling. So I'm always concerned that like with my students, I've mentioned this on a previous episode that I was the Navajo Nation program associate instructor, but with my students, an issue was often that education was conflated with school. So I would say, what is education and what is school? And they would kind of look at me like, what do you mean? That is the same thing. So in my context, the purpose of talking about that was, well, the students that you're going to teach in the Navajo Nation, they have cultural learning too, which often happens at home and, you know, things like that. So I'm wondering if you think schools of education will ever expand 
to be not just about training for schools? I hope so. And I know that, you know, I've heard schools of education definitely talk about this. Even I think our school of education, thinking about, you know, maybe having a non-licensing track of education, right? And so, you know, there are lots of people, and I am would say maybe would have been one of them that, you know, really wanted to work with children, wanted to help them learn, love to do activities and things with them, but just didn't see themselves in a classroom setting. And so, and I know that there are some students who would also enjoy that um, because some students are, you know, going through um, the program and become licensed teachers, even though they know that they're probably going to be working in more community-based centers with education, um, educational activities, or, you know, types of camps and things. Or I had one, um, one of my friends in college was an education major. She got her, her teaching license, but then she worked at an outdoor education facility for kids and also actually adult like corporate groups and things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she was absolutely an educator for many years, but never was in a classroom. And so I think there are a lot of opportunities for schools of education to open up the idea about what education would be. And also even what students can do with an education license. Mm -hmm. I mean, these students could still be getting the license, but just making sure that they are thinking beyond being in a school building in a classroom all day. Yeah, so we're there kind of going back to your education as a young child and then also thinking about your husband. Were there programs that like you were involved in that you found to be enjoyable that weren't necessarily in a school and kind of the same for your husband as someone who didn't enjoy school? Were there ways of learning that he found most useful? For me, like I mentioned, my parents were all about the unschooling, so they tried not to, I guess, give us a lot of formal activities, but we definitely did stuff with other homeschoolers in the area. I mean, I remember building rockets with, you know, other kids. I think that probably was my mom took us to and then I'd, I'd say the library was really big for us so just reading on our own I can't really remember if there were groups and things that that were there um and then I mean I definitely wasn't alone all day or you know all year I definitely I saw other kids I you know like I said I had friends who went to school and so I mean I think we just kind of did normal kid stuff except that I was spending all my time outside in the garden and my friends were in school all day. I think it's funny that you were jealous of your friends and they were probably <laughs> jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. And my, my mom always said that, you know, my sister and I, like we knew all of the plants. So the people that would come to pick up their vegetables, like, you know, we could tell them, oh, we planted this today or, you know, this is this vegetable or things. And I definitely don't have all that knowledge now, but, uh, but, you know, we definitely knew things that people, you know, our friends who weren't outside just in the garden all day, they might not have known. And thinking about the way my husband experienced school, I don't think that he did a lot of extra programs, again, like formal programs, just because, I mean, he was in school all day and that was kind of, I guess, 
what you do as a kid. But I know that he he was also a reader in, he talks about uh, just the other day, he was telling me how he would always get in trouble for taking his toys apart because he wanted to know how they worked, which is something I never did. Like I, that would have been, I don't know, I guess breaking rules or it just <laughs> never occurred to me. I would have gone to a book to learn how something worked. He wanted to actually physically take apart his toys and then he realized he did not put them back together. I guess one time he actually, as a very small child, took his his mom's uh, wheel off her car because he wanted to know how to do it and <laughs> got in very big trouble for that. But I know that now as an adult, he is definitely continuing his education and learning and he does it mostly through videos now he is a he uses youtube a whole lot and anything that he wants to learn at at this point there is a youtube video and so i mean the most recent thing was remodeling our bathroom i mean he did all kinds of research on you know what materials we should buy and and how to we had to replace the floor and things and that was none of none of those things were things he knew before we started the project um and he's not a builder he has no background in construction and things but he knows that he's a smart person and he can watch other people walk you through it and now we're in the process of of remodeling the bathroom so that's i'd say how he does his research and learning for the most part now. So we'll add some context to when our conversation is occurring. So we're all on lockdown right now, pretty much. At least the states that we're in, nobody is going to school, K through 12 or higher education. So thinking in that context, how do you see education changing, or I should say schooling changing over time? Yes, it has been a really interesting time with all kids well, almost all kids out of school right now. And, you know, it's kind of different because a lot of them are supposed to be doing e-learning and things that their teachers are still giving them. But at the end, but at the same time, they're home, but they can't do any of the kind of educational activities that maybe, you know, I would have had access to as a homeschool kid that was out of school all day. But let's see. So I think... One of the things to think about is that people have been talking about making sure that kids aren't still, I guess, in school all day. So, you know, I've seen posts online from uh, from even from teachers saying, parents, we are not expecting you to make your kids sit and do schoolwork all day. They only need to be you know, engaged in school-like activities for X amount of hours. And I don't think it was very many hours, only not as many hours as kids are in school normally. And then, you know, you've also seen a lot of parents and things saying, well, we're going to skip the trying to do these worksheets and things that teachers are asking us to do, but we're going to really focus on skills that the kids need to know. I mean, like, you know, life skills, cooking, cleaning, and let's teach the kids how to do the taxes since that's what we're doing right now and and that kind of stuff. So I think that's been interesting to see how parents and teachers are kind of realizing that there are other things that the kids can be doing during this time to 
continue their education. And then I think also strengthening relationships and just communication and things has been another thing that families are realizing is really important and something they can help with since their kids are home all the time. So I hope that people don't forget about all of that, that those conversations they're having right now about those kinds of things. But thinking about how, you know, education was for me and, and school was for me, I think it's really important that in the future there are just more options for kids because I don't think my husband and I would ever have been successful in the same classroom. So I would not have been very happy probably in the way, you know, in whatever his classroom would have been of all experiential learning, like taking things apart all day. But he also was never going to be 100% successful in what classrooms are, I guess, more traditionally. So I guess having both options, and I'm sure there's lots in between as well, would be nice for kids just to think about how there are just different ways of learning. Um, and I think we do see that in some, especially some of the other countries where our students go. Schools really try to reach students more individually than maybe what sometimes we can do here with so many kids in classes. And then I think also just thinking outside of the box in terms of especially technology. I mean, with being in lockdown, teachers and parents and celebrities and all kinds of people are making so many educational videos and things. And so, you know, maybe kids don't actually need to be inside a building all day to learn. I think that that was the part that was hardest for me when I was thinking about being a teacher when I was in the classroom, just being stuck inside and having, you know, just recess or something outside for, you know, especially elementary kids, which is so different from what I was used to, that I just couldn't see myself being part of that. But yeah, I think there are lots of ways that people are being very creative right now. We, yesterday, the School of Education I think it was the science education teacher sent us videos that her students had made. And so these were students who were training to be elementary teachers. They had made science experiment videos. And so I watched one of them was, you know, one of our students who is actually going overseas next year to, I think, Ireland to, to see schools there. But she, her experiment was, well, how can you figure out the difference between salt and sugar. And so then she, you know, was on the video and telling her, I think she was making it for second graders of, of let's put salt in a skillet and let's put sugar in a skillet and then let's turn it on and see what happens. And so that's something, you know, the kids could do at home, active, they're up moving around and things, not sitting at a desk but they were still learning about the different properties of salt and sugar. And so there were some really creative videos that the students um, had made. Well, as you know, I did part of my dissertation research in New Zealand. And when I was interviewing a former secretary of education, she was saying, she was like, I think one of the biggest problems that people have in rethinking like reformers, quote unquote, rethinking education is they still think it's going to happen in a school building. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of her like, you know, that's just totally missing 
point she was like a kid could get out his phone and prove a teacher wrong like right there on the spot you know and so kind of one of my hopes is yes the rethinking of does it need to be in a building and also rethinking learning because even some of my friends who you know are in the education field are like yeah you know we'll make reference to well kids aren't learning right now i'm like come on they're you know you can learn anywhere anytime that's how we survive as humans is through learning so obviously they're learning right and yeah their kids are learning all kinds of things right now and you know they're all learning through the news and stuff as well and like i said i mean there are so many videos and things that are coming out so i know you know kids are doing what they can but some kids probably are enjoying this time a whole lot mm -hmm. just get to be outside the people you know our neighbors across the street the kids are very active little boys and they are getting to spend so much time outside um just playing with one another and you know and then getting to work with their parents and i think there are a few other kids that they're able to spend time with just in the neighborhood right now and our neighborhood have neighborhood has actually done educational activities as well mm -hmm. as asking all the neighbors to participate for the kids so what was one example oh we had a I think it was a jungle walk so this one person in the neighborhood asked everyone to put out jungle animals mm -hmm. or or something and so then families can walk around the neighborhood and you know little kids could maybe count how many animals they saw in the neighborhood and then the idea for older kids was you know um, maybe they could write a story about one of the animals they saw and then you know high school kids could do a research project on one of the animals or something and so that was kind of a way that the whole neighborhood has come together to provide ideas for parents who might be going a little crazy with their kids at home right now but it also outside walking around yeah and it brings the learning to the local level so it's happening right. in your community with people that you live yeah. around it's yeah there are all kinds of really interesting things happening right now with learning because yeah school's not happening right now i think they're gonna have a hard time um dragging some of these kids back into a school building probably yeah so um we're talking a little bit so right now we're kind of talking about younger you know kids k through 12 level so what do you think about the future of universities after all of this has kind of been said and done yeah so i think it's very similar to what you know, younger even schools, kids and, and families and parents are finding is that there, we have so many tools at our fingertips to be able to do things differently. So obviously that's online for higher education for the most part, but just, you know, even though we kind of were all thrown to the online teaching world and it hasn't been 100% a smooth transition, one, especially because it happens so fast. I think everyone is finding that they're able to do way more than they expected with a technology that they have. Even just office work as well. You know, we were all saying, how on earth are we never going to be in the office and still going to get things done? And in all of us, you know, some of us were more open to the idea than, than others in our office. And everyone is saying wow this is actually going much better than we expected mm -hmm. same with classes i think 
you know, especially with a little more time for planning, <laughs> I think mm -hmm. faculty are realizing as well that it things can be done online. They have no choice right now, but I think you know, it's going to be interesting to see what students are requesting and maybe demanding in the future because they see universities are able to do even though they may not want to offer those options so we'll see yeah well and even i'm thinking about the cost of going to college you know if students see that this could happen in a different way which could then make it cheaper mm -hmm. they might demand it for that reason alone as well yes definitely i think you know, we're just trying to get through the end of the spring semester for all universities and colleges right now, but this summer is going to be really interesting once students are kind of out of the semester and then having to think about next year, um, mm -hmm. kind of what demanding from universities and um, we'll see if universities are able to be open next year as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's definitely a time where I hope not just in the field of education, but in general, you know, people are rethinking what is an essential business. I've mentioned this in another episode, but you know, like what is it that we need to function well as a society? Definitely. All right. So is there anything that as we come to a close, any of my, like, what is education? Where does it occur? Who gets to decide? Any comments that you have on any of those broader questions? I think just the idea that remembering that all students learn in very different ways and like you said you know it doesn't need to always be in the same place is really important and i just hope that in the future more people begin to think that way so that students are able to thrive i guess in the environment that works best for them you know like i said i hadn't because of my own experiences if if i had become a teacher I would have been using my experience of loving school and thinking mm -hmm. of, you know, being in a classroom as what was the most important thing. And so meeting just other kinds of people as well and making sure you are talking to people who had diverse experiences is really important because like I said, really it wasn't until I started talking to my husband and realizing what a different experience he had was what made me really decide realize that my education was only one way to do it and that lots of people aren't having the most opportunity to learn if they're given just one way to be able to be in school uh, that's a great point and one that this podcast is uh, really trying to make is that it is not just formal school the way that it is currently structured Great. Well, thank you so much, Amara. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, good luck teaching and being an office worker from your home. Or not teaching, I guess, but, you know, working with teachers. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.